You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident panelist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore daddy. So, it's probably going to be another short one. I did not sleep in today, although I probably should have. It would have been a better use of my time. Turns out coffee takes a long time to brew, and uh, starting a, a little project at 345... Not so bueno, but I do want to look at it a little bit. I just get super interested in this stuff, and I get lost in it. It's like, I can't do the podcast yet. I want to look into this more, but we'll, we'll just we'll peruse it. I love looking at this contract stuff, man. It's fascinating. This is why I lo- get lost in PFF. They just It's just a website with numbers everywhere. It's like, there's so many things I can do with this. But uh, a couple other things to look at. Some news and notes. Um, also, I've noticed over... A period of time. I, I saw a comment yesterday on the Twitters, but it's not just one person. I know there are several people who feel a certain way about Mason Crosby. And so I guess I want to address that and kind of look at it for what it is. And I, I guess, I mean, you know my opinion, so it's not like I'm giving you my, I, I want to re-sign Mason Crosby, but some people do not. I think they either underestimate the risk or fully under understand the risk but just really don't like Mason Crosby. And it's weird because, like, my mind and your mind, Mr. and Miss Mason Crosby disliker, are completely opposites. Like, for you, you see a missed kick, and it haunts you. For me, I, I don't remember. I went back and looked, and I saw he missed one extra point, which is actually quite good, and you know, as far as a percentage. I don't even remember that happening. Like, what are you talking He didn't miss an extra point. I, I just I just black it out, man. In my mind, he didn't miss a single kick this year. I just, I don't remember it. And some people, it's like, this guy has lost us so many games. It's like, I don't remember him losing us anything. I remember him winning us game. So it's just, it's just the way our minds work. So I just want to look at the numbers and kind of go from there, I guess. Kind of look at a few other kickers to kind of show you what we could end up with. But also be honest and look at some of the struggles he's had, et cetera, et cetera. Because it, it does make a difference and it, you know, whatever. I don't know, man. I just, I don't, I don't understand going out and paying somebody, you know, three million so we don't have to pay Crosby five. It's like, really? You're worried about overpaying a kicker? Like, we can't skim a couple million off of one of these guys making like 15, 18 minutes. We can't, we can't cut back there like 2% to keep, well, whatever. Anyway, I don't know. We'll look at that. And then, um, Patreon, a little confusing. I think thank you to Sean. I don't know. Patreon's being. Weird. I got a message yesterday saying that Sean 
jumped in on Patreon, but as I'm looking at it, it says Sean got involved on February 1st, and I already said thank you. So thanks again. Just random shout-outs to people. We are officially up to 77 patrons, so thank you all for that. Still shooting for that 100. We're still burning the ships, man. I'm not telling you what you're getting under 100, because I don't know, because I haven't contemplated it, because we're getting to 100. So if there are 23 people out there who can find a dollar... I know if you work hard enough to find a dollar, the last thing you want to do is give it to me, but at least think it over. Patreon.com slash pack underscore daddy, or just search it, Google it, ask me. There's a lot of resources these days. I don't know. The internet makes things difficult on people who want to pretend they can't figure stuff out, because I'm just not buying it. My wife does that to me all the time. How do you do this? Like You, you know that when you ask me this, all I'm going to do is Google it, right? Like You have to know that that's all I'm doing. And I feel like... The device in your hand has Google, but I don't know. But that's fine. At, at least I have a purpose in this home. I look stuff up on Google. What else? Uh, rating and review. It's another way you can support the podcast. Preferably positive ones. If you don't like the show, feel free to tell me directly. Occasionally I get that. Doesn't bother me. My job is basically to be a weatherman. I tell you things, I'm wrong, and then people yell at me about it. And then I shrug and go to work. Facebook group, Facebook page. I think that's it. Let's take a break. Probably the only break. Today, right now, what I want you to do is just go to visitarizona.com slash springtraining. Just type it in. Go watch that video and tell me that doesn't look awesome. Look at the pictures. They tell you everything you need to know right on that site. Unforgettable places and amazing wonders you can check out. Cities to explore. Things to see and do. Places to stay. As they say, from pamper to camper. In other words, super nice place or kind of rugged. You know, you, fig- you know. There's even a Visit Arizona app if you're super into this. Download that and every once in a while just whip it out and be like, dude, I could be there right now. I could totally be there. But instead, I'm here. That's that's two reasons right there. I could be there and I could also not be here. Those are two really good reasons. So if you're a baseball fan, or even if you're not, contemplate in the next couple weeks going to Arizona for the Cactus League Spring Training. To get more information, visit Arizona.com slash spring training. Go to visit Arizona.com slash spring training. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy slab packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. 
All right, I guess we'll start with the uh, news that the Chicago Bears are supposedly going to be cutting a lot of people, and everyone's very elated. First of all, I mentioned that this is what they have to do. I talked about this a couple weeks ago looking at the Bears roster. They have to just gut this thing. The only reason I'm not super excited is because the best-case scenario is they pull a Vikings and just pay everybody to stay. So it's, it's a positive because this is the official collapse, right? They, they had literally one year. They made a run at this. They threw a bunch of money, gave up a bunch of draft picks. It didn't work, and then they didn't have any draft picks to try to fix this thing. So they went out in free agency and threw more money at garbage receivers because apparently that's the number one thing we need to do, maybe trying to prop up this Mitch Trubisky thing, which makes sense if you're Ryan Pace, right? Everyone's calling you a big Well, not everyone. You won executive of the year or whatever, which was a joke. But anybody that knows anything about anything called you a dummy because you drafted Mitch Trubisky. And so you're going out paying every wide receiver you can get your hands on to try to make him look somewhat competent, and that's just not going to work. And you got every kind, I mean, Cordero Patterson, who's like this do-everything guy. You went out and got a speedster. You got your ex-receiver. I mean, you, you just, you got a little bit of everything, and uh, nothing's doing. And so finally, this charade is up. It was a disaster. Again, we had one year where it was maybe going to come together, and it was one year where it was just... I don't even know how all the stars align. Again, the collapse of the Chicago Bears was very evident. I talked about it a lot because these are a, uh, this is a defense with guys that are playing way better than their talent. All right, these are this is like a C plus guy speaking in uh, you know school terms. This guy's like a C plus, maybe like a B minus player playing at A plus level, and you got an entire defense like that. So I don't know how things just went so perfect for him. But that was it. And so it's, it's kind of a positive, it's kind of a negative, because it always makes me nervous. Right? I get excited when it's like, oh, yeah, you're going to have to tear it down and rebuild it. But then it's like, but what if they do a good job rebuilding it? That would be bad. It's kind of like the Mitch Trubisky thing. Like, I, I, don't want them, I don't want them to be so bad that they decide to move on, because what if they accidentally draft a good one next time? I mean, you could accidentally, granted, he is cursed, because he could have taken just about any other quarterback and had success. But he took the one that was garbage, and he traded up to do it. But, I mean, the odds of him being that bad at getting the wrong quarterback again are pretty low. I mean, when you got two swings at this, especially if you're drafting really high, it's almost completely idiot-proof. Just guess. And, you know, when you get two swings and a top-five pick, and I'm not saying they're going to be top-five, but we'll see how much they decide to tear down and all this stuff. But I'm just, I don't know, I'm a little bit nervous. I know everyone's kind of excited, and it is exciting because it's like, ha-ha, you're so bad, you got to rip this whole thing up, this team that you thought was going to go to the Super Bowl. Which, by the way, it is a little bit funny. 2019 was going to be their year. And at the conclusion of 2019, it's like, all right, let's just tear this thing up because this is just ridiculous. But the the biggest issue, well, there's a lot of issues, but the, the Bears currently have, and we don't know what the, the cap is actually going to be. So over the cap, puts the salary cap at 200, over $210 million, which I, I really do believe the CBA is going to get done, and when it does, I think the cap is actually going to go possibly even higher than that. But with $210 million, the Bears only have $5 million in space. If this bad boy comes out and it's $200 million, they're five in the hole. So even if it goes to 210 they don't have any money. And so again, when we talk about tearing this thing down, Leonard Floyd, number one, he's got to go. There is zero dead cap money. The guy isn't bad, but he's not worth $13 million or whatever. Yeah, $13.2 million 
for Leonard Floyd, I just I don't think so, man. And and the negative for the Bears is okay, we move on from Leonard Floyd. What are we gonna do? I mean, we got Khalil Mack, and that's cool, but Leonard Floyd is our best, our next best option. Mister three sacks, thirty nine pressures. After that, the highest graded edge rusher that we have on this team is Isaiah Irving. He had three pressures in fifty attempts. The only other guys that even played were James Vaughters, played in three games, not a single pressure. And the lowest graded person on their entire defense, Aaron Lynch. And to make matters worse, can we go in free agency and get somebody? Not really. Well, we just freed up thirteen million. Okay, that puts us at eighteen million. I mean, maybe, maybe you can go get somebody for eighteen, but you again, when you go into the season, this is after you pay your draft picks, traditionally you want to keep around ten million dollars on hand to be able to make some moves during the season, during for injuries all these kinds of things. You want to have money on hand. Let's call it 8 to $10 million. So you have about $8 million you can spend minus what you're going to have to pay in the draft. Let's just say it's $5 million. It's probably going to be more, but let's just say. So you got about $3 million to play with. You're going to go get Jadavian Clowney, or what are you going to do? Who are you going to get? And this is, this is like the one thing you're going to do is spend $3 million on an edge rusher, and are you going to draft one? Not a lot of options in this draft class. And you, uh, you know... You don't have a first-round pick again, so you're going to wait until the second round and get a second-round pass rusher? Good luck. So, okay, so maybe we don't cut him. I think they will, but let's just say we don't want to ruin our chances ever, so we'll not do that. However, what about Allen Robinson? There is a chance we could take a wide receiver in the second round. Um, The problem is, I would say the upside is that you just replace Allen Robinson. No, it's it's not a bad deal. If you get Allen Robinson on the cheap, right? Two million bucks in dead money, but you're saving thirteen. That'll free you up a little bit. But again, then you're getting rid of Allen Robinson. I don't think there's any way they're cutting Akeem Hicks. You can't get rid of Kyle Fuller. You can't get rid of Eddie Goldman, nor would you want to. Prince of Mukamura would make a lot of sense. He's getting up in age. You can save nine million bucks to cut him. Problem is he was the highest graded corner you had this past year. Kyle Fuller was third. When Vic Fangio left, here's the thing. Kyle Fuller needs to be in a Vic Fangio defense. Kyle Fuller was thought to be a bust. Vic Fangio came in, figured out how to utilize him best, which is to take a lot off of his plate and just let him do whatever limited stuff. And he was a freak, right? Kyle Fuller was great. Then new guy comes in and says, guess what? You're going back to press man. you got to run with guys. He was the third highest graded corner on his own team behind Prince of Mukamura and Duke Shelley. The guy had a below average coverage grade. So again, not great, but we could get rid of Prince of Mukamura, I guess. Prince had a 70 overall coverage grade. I mean, you guys got some good safeties, but corners? By the way, we have not addressed free agency, where we have to figure out what to do with Danny Trevathan. How about Chase Daniel, your best quarterback? Ha ha Clinton Dix, who played very well, as expected. Sherrick McManus. Uh, Aaron Lynch. Ted Larson, guard. Kevin Pierre-Lewis, another outside linebacker. Uh, Kwiatkowski, who's probably gone, but, I mean, seriously, Deion Bush. Deion Bush graded out real well. So <laughs> the, 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 the thing I'm trying to lay out here is how much of a nightmare this is. You can do some crazy stuff with a salary cap, but the myth that the salary cap is a myth is just that. It's not a myth. It's not a myth. It's math. And you can do some creative stuff, but you can't do magical things. It's kind of like magicians, you know? People look at it and think it's magical, but it's not. It's just somebody who's very creative and and good at making things look a a certain way. But at the end of the day, he's still operating within the realm of 
you know, science, physics, I don't know, whatever thing that they're working with. And uh, at the end of the day, this is a nightmare. Maybe $5 million. And if we do free up money, we really need to re-sign a lot of these guys. I mean, I maybe they don't want to sign HaHa Clinton Dix. I guess I could understand that. I think they should because, I, as I've always said, I think he's a good football player. Not perfect. I know that's blasphemy to say to Packers fans. He's not a perfect player. But compared to a lot of the safeties roaming around out there, he's a very competent football player. Again, Danny Trevathan is just, I mean, he's hes not an elite player, but he's kind of a core of that defense, right? He's an enforcer in the middle of the D. You can't just say, forget Danny Trevathan. In the same year, we're getting rid of Kwiatkowski. I just i, I just want to sit, you know the, the meme with the eating popcorn and whatnot? I just want to sit here and just stare at this and go, what's your move, man? What are you going to do? I'm sure they'll do something kind of creative to be able to have a competitive-ish football team. But this is a disaster. And this is why I've been saying that this team is going to fall apart. And this is why I've been saying that Ryan Pace getting executive of the year is a joke. I'm sorry. I'm not giving you credit for giving away everything to go out and pay a guy that's the one of the best pass rushers in football. That doesn't make you a good GM. right? It's like you don't judge a GM based on... How well he hit in the first when you have a top five pick. Like the, the we're gonna give the 49ers guy Lynch some kind of credit because he nailed Bosa. Get out of my face! What did you do at the end of the first? What are you doing the second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh round? What are you doing in with with you know look, look at uh, the the Patriots? They never have early picks. They never go out and get super big names. Sometimes they do. You know the, the they got a reputation for going and getting those big names for little money guys with with issues, but really that's, listen, they didn't win Super Bowls on the backs of Josh Gordon. They did it because they went out and got that one running back that nobody liked to come in and be their number two running back that just transformed the offense because now they can do this other part of their playbook and just dominate everybody. That's what makes you a good GM. I don't care if you nailed a top five pick and I'm not impressed by paying Khalil Mack. That's not like, I mean, geez, anybody in the, on the planet would know that that's going to be beneficial to your team in terms of on a play-to-play basis. But was anybody looking at 2020? Was anybody looking at the loss of, of all these draft picks? There was a reason I said I'm glad we didn't get Khalil Mack, and this is the reason. It's not because I didn't think Khalil Mack is a good football player. Of course he is. But, dude, give me a break. Anyways, I think that's enough. I, I get I get lost in this, too, because it's so fun. To just, like, I mean, if this was the Packers, I'd be having a panic attack. But the fact that I can't figure out this puzzle looking at the Bears, I just it just makes me happy, and I just want to talk about it a lot. But all right, let's, um, let's look at Mason Crosby for a minute. Because I know, and I've, I've been talking just from one standpoint, which is we should re-sign him. I don't care what it costs, just re-sign him. It's not going to be that much at the most, like, $6 million. But that would be ridiculous. That's, like, biggest contract ever money probably around five-ish. And I don't I don't care. Five million dollars is nothing. But there was a comment made that Mason Crosby is very clutch when he's close. In other words, 30, 20, extra point. But 40 plus, the dude is no good. That was a comment that was made. It's not verbatim, but I was like, is that if that's true, then maybe I need to kind of rethink this. Because I know I'm biased toward Mason Crosby. I like him, and I know I've got a blind spot. I just don't see issues. This happened... At the beginning of 2019, when everyone said he should go, and I'm like, what are you guys talking about? And then somebody's like, remember when he lost us that game by missing like seven kicks? And I'm like, what? And I had to go back and look, and I'm like, dude, yeah, that's right, geez. Not that that's definitive or anything, because who knows what would have happened, but 
I know if you add up the kicks, it ends up being more, but that's not how that works. You can't just add it. Like, well, if we would have got a touchdown, that's seven more, and then we win. No, if you get a touchdown, then everything in that game changes. It's the whole butterfly effect. You don't know that you're going to win. But yeah, he was trash in that game. But anyway, so he said that, and I'm like, wow, if if that's true, then we should, uh, that's kind of serious, and I want to investigate that. And so I looked at it, and here's what I got. I already mentioned uh, extra points, but on field goals... Mason Crosby in 2019 was 22 of 24. I mean, that's kind of crazy. And he was 40 of 41 for extra points. Now, context. You've got 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8 guys that did not miss any extra point. Only one of them kicked as many extra points as Mason Crosby did. That was Greg Zerline, 42 of 42. Other than that, Nick Folk was 12 of 12. Cairo Santos was 12 of 12. Ty Long was 9 of 9. I mean, some of these are just, they're nothing. The only one that was even close to that kicking 40 was Brett uh, Maher, Mayer. I don't know how you say his dumb name. 36 of 36. So, so 40 of 41 is not that bad. Will Lutz, 48 of 49. Robbie Gold, great kicker, 41 of 42. Almost the exact same numbers. So missing one extra point is not a reason to crucify somebody. Almost every kicker does. In terms of field goal percentages made, Mason Crosby was sixth. Kai Forbath was first because he made 11 of 11. That basically doesn't even count. It's the other Dallas kicker. So if we get rid of that guy, we got Josh Lambeau was 33 of 34. That's awesome. Justin Tucker, 28 of 29. Chris Boswell, 29 of 31. So he also missed two kicks. Dan Bailey, 27 of 29. He missed two kicks. Mason Crosby, 22 of 24. They all missed two kicks. Well, some of them missed one, but those last two missed two kicks. Mason Crosby just kicked less, so he had a lower percentage. Still, sixth highest percentage of anybody. Also, in terms of grades, if you're curious, tied for seventh as the seventh highest graded kicker in uh, in all football. And again, one of those guys ahead of him is Kai Forbath, played in four games. So I'm going to say tied for sixth because he doesn't count. Now, is it true he's better up close than anywhere? Of course, that's true of just about every kicker. Field goals in the 0 to 19 yard range, he was 1 of 1. I don't even know why, what, that's a weird situation, but yes. He kicked a field goal inside of the 20, he's 1 for 1. In the 20 yard range, he's 2 for 2. In the 30 yard range, he's 11 for 11. In the 40 yard range, where apparently he starts to get terrible, he's 7 of 8. And then 50 plus, he's 1 of 2. So as a percentage, 50% seems terrible, but okay, he made one, he missed one. Are you really going to say that he needs to go because of that? He's 8 of 10 beyond 40 yards. Now, it wasn't always this way, and if you want to say that this was kind of a fluke and we need to worry about 2018 and 2017, which were not as good, that's fair. Again, if, if that's what you think, that's entirely possible. But again, I'm more worried about some of these other guys that we could end up... Who are we replacing them with? Because we know we're not allowed to draft kickers because people riot over that. So we can't do that. You look at guys like Brett Maher, Mr. Undefeated at Extra Points, He made 20 of 30 field goals. 20 of 30. Remember Sam Ficken? Remember that guy? He's over at the Jets now. You know how good he did? He missed three extra points. He made 19 of 27 field goals. 19 of 27. He missed eight. He made two-thirds of them. Greg Zerline, great kicker, right? Never missed an extra point. Made 24 of 33. Daniel Carlson, 19 of 26. Robbie Gold. Robbie Gold was not that good in terms of making field goals. Everyone thinks he's this freak. Got a great reputation. 23 of 31. He missed eight field goals. 
Again, Mason Crosby is fifth on this list if we kind of narrow it down even more. He's fifth. Out of 29 kickers, he's fifth. How much do you want to met? I mean, even if we get, let's say we get an average guy, right, about halfway down the list, Matt Prater. Matt Prater wasn't that bad. He missed one extra point, and he missed five field goals. So, yeah, maybe if we can go out and just find a Matt Prater, we'll be all right. But if you've been watching teams who say we don't need to pay kickers, um, generally they go out and they find a Sam Ficken. And then they go out and find a, a Matt Gay and a Joey Sly and an Eddie Pinheiro. And they bring all these guys in to kick field goals. And they all make their field goals. And it's like, oh, <laughs> I don't know. You know, they, they this guy missed a couple and then that guy misses a couple. And you realize that you're going to have to just pick one because they're all somewhat competent. And you're going to pick him, and he's going to get into the regular season. He's not going to be any good. And then we're going to see field goals on the line. And I have a panic attack when the field goes on the line and Mason steps up. And Mason is one of the best field goal kickers this entire year. Can you imagine? And, and, and we've seen it in the NFC North. We saw the Vikings and the Bears go through it, and we make fun of them every single time. There's, I mean, I'm like giggling when their kicker has to win the, win the game for them. I, on the inside, I'm giggling. I don't want to go through that because we'd rather pay two million than five million. Am, am, am I? Tell me if I'm crazy. And I understand the regression, right? He two years of not being a good kicker, two years of struggling. I I understand it. Right? Last year in 2018, the guy missed seven field goals. 81.1 percent of his field goals he made. That would put him this year around 18th. That's not too great. The year before that was worse, 78.9 percent. Granted, the actual numbers were 15 of 19, so it's a little bit different. But if we're going to be super strict about it, then it's, you know, then he would be about 20th. But the, the, the fact of the matter, this was actually arguably his best year ever. It was his highest percentage of field goals made ever. 91.7% he made of his field goal. The last time he was that high was uh, 2013, his rookie year. He hit 89.7%. Granted, that was with a lot more kicks, but whatever. The bottom line is he can only do what he's handed, and he just dominated it. Yes, I would have liked him to make both 50-yard kicks. Whatever. I don't I don't make one miss one. Are are you going to complain about that? You're going to cut him because he made one and missed one and and sign Ficken instead? What's what's the game plan here? So, maybe I like him too much, but there's two sides to this coin. It's kind of like I said with the uh the Arizona ad. On one hand, you get to keep Crosby. On the other hand, you're not stuck with a Ficken. That's a win-win. I'm paying 5 million for Mason Crosby, but only 3 of that I'm I'm doing it for Mason Crosby. Two of it is to ensure we don't have a Sam Ficken. Just split it up that way in your brain, or however you feel is, is most appropriate. Half of this money is going toward having a good kicker. Half of this money goes toward not having a bad kicker. Because it and, and listen, we did the same thing with kick returner. Right? Who cares? I don't want to pay Trevor Day. I'm not paying for a guy just to be a kick returner. What a waste. And I said the whole time, like, I don't, ca- I don't mind. Like, let's just change his designation to special teams or, or return man or something. Just put an R next to his name. Just remove the wide receiver. Just remove the W. He's not a wide receiver. He's just returner. He's going to do kick and punt return. I don't mind using a roster spot for that. And we're not even going to pretend he's a wide receiver. He's going to do nothing but spend time with special teams coaches. He's going to do nothing but practice returning. All that stuff. So, oh, we don't need that. It's not important. Look at all how much time we spent. We were going negative. We had negative return yards. It's, it's, it's an exact example of a position that everybody says they don't care about until you have a bad one, then everybody really cares. Punter, kicker, long snapper, return man. Nobody cares until you you just don't have one, right? Nobody cared about punter 
until we had Frost. Suddenly, punter was a very important position. The Bears didn't care about kicker until they got rid of Robbie Gold. Then they cared a lot, and there were rumors they were willing to back up a Brinks truck to bring him back. None of this stuff matters until it matters. Then it really matters. So I'm not going to pretend that kickers don't deserve money and we shouldn't do Just do. I mean, I'm not going to give him 10, but that's not the going rate. I I guess in my mind, it's kind of a steal. For a good kicker, 5 million bucks all day. I mean, these guys do score the the most. I mean, every team leader in in points is kickers because they get all the extra points and the field goals. And I don't know. Feels important to me. Maybe I'm crazy. I don't know. Um, anyways, lastly, one thing I wanted to do really quickly, and I, I probably should dedicate more time to this, but this wasn't even the project I was working on, but I just want to just very briefly, because one of the things that I mention occasionally is we're probably not going to go out and pay this person because we're already paying this person, right? Positionally. One of the problems with paying a, going out and getting a wide receiver for this much is that we're paying Devonte this much. And we are, I've said it a thousand times now that the Packers have already come out and said Jordy was cut because we were already spending a bunch of money at the position. We just paid Devontae, we just paid Randall Cobb, and now we just went and spent $10 million to get Jimmy Graham, which is a different position, but it was kind of like, you know what, at this point, we have way too much money invested in wide receiver and in receivers, and it just doesn't make sense. So we know that that's a thing. So the question is, where are the Packers spending too much and where are they actually not that much? Because it, I mean, it, again, it, trying to conceptualize things because sometimes we get super laser focused and we don't understand how much a dollar means feels like we're spending a lot but are we really so i just want to kind of run through a couple i want to say all the positions but we'll see how much time is left and really just look at what the average is for the entire position i wanted to do active people but it's apparently a little glitchy and plus it doesn't matter because we want to know how much overall we're spending on the position anyway hold on i we we got to pause here for a second (laughs) so i i we're going to start with quarterback, and I was confused because it said that we were only spending like $22 million. And I thought, that's not true. We're spending like 33 on Aaron Rodgers. And I went and looked at it, and it's like, oh, that's right. They restructured his contract. So we're only paying him, or the cap hit is only $21 million, which is great. But what's the problem with restructuring contracts like this? You push a lot of money out, Right which means the price goes way up. Here's the weird thing about prices going way up. As the price goes up, and we're going to assume the talent begins to slowly dip, the player becomes, let's just say it's less likely they stick around. So I guess we'll call this a little bit of a sidebar, but now, in 2021, we are scheduled to pay, or the cap hit for Aaron Rodgers is 36 0.3 million dollars 36 that's crazy although like we said you might be seeing guys getting 38 million dollar contracts these days so maybe it's not that crazy. i don't know that's not what they're going to count against their own cap but that's it. that'll be the average ish and it'll get there eventually so maybe they're just kind of ahead of their time 36 is maybe just a thing in 2021 the cap hit in 2022 though by the way, uh, 2021, the dead cap would be 31, so we would only save about $5 million if we got rid of him in 2021. 2022, however, his cap is $40 million. $40 million. Again, I wouldn't be surprised if, and let me, let me rephrase that, I would be stunned if we're not at $40 million for contracts by 2022. But again, not super the point. $40 million as a cap hit 
Maybe I'm over-exaggerating this. Maybe that'll be commonplace for quarterbacks at that point. I doubt it, but maybe. However, the dead cap would be $17 million. Just say if. Just saying if. So in 2022, the Packers have to make a decision. At 38 years old, do we want Aaron Rodgers for $40 million, or would we rather roll with quarterback X and save $22.648 million by letting Aaron Rodgers go somewhere else? I'm not saying I know the Packers are setting up for somebody else to take over. What I am saying is, if the Packers take a quarterback in this draft, I'm no longer going to be stunned at all. Like, at all. Because if you think about it, I'm not, again, I'm not saying for sure they're gearing up to get rid of them in 2022, but man, they are not doing themselves a lot of favors for having an easy decision to make in 2022 if you're going to keep them. Well, and, and that's the other thing. So even if we don't get a quarterback this year, we're going to load up at the wide receiver position, whatever positions, you know, maybe free agency, we get a wide receiver and we get a new tight end or whatever. Is it possible that at the end of that conclusion, in other words, at the end of the season, we look back and say, okay, the offense was better, therefore Aaron Rodgers is fine. Or maybe this is kind of like what happened with Mike McCarthy and some of these other guys where it's like you get one more chance. And at the conclusion of those one more chances, several times, things didn't get better, right? Mike McCarthy got a one-year extension, which at the time I thought was weird. Like, why, dude? McCarthy's a good coach. What are you talking about? Then the team collapsed, and it's like, oh, that's why he got a one-year extension. And they got rid of him before the season was out because they already knew this thing isn't going to work. And we'll give him another year, but we pretty much know we're going to have to move on from Mike. And they were right, and they did, and now we have a new coach. So again, I don't know. I'm not saying. I'm just saying. They're pushing out money so they can re-sign guys, and they're making making it very hard in 2022 to say we should hang on to them. Not impossible. Again, in in several years, contracts and and maybe the CBA thing is going to mean it's going to go up to 220 million, 230. Who knows? Going to go somewhere crazy. And by the time 2022 rolls around, there's eight quarterbacks with, you know, 40 million as a cap hit, and then it's not that big of a deal. And Rodgers is great, and everything's fine. And then the only thing we got to figure out is, are we extending him? And maybe we, maybe at 38, maybe we extend him so we can bring the cap hit down. Because in 2023, his cap hit's only 28. We can bump that bad boy up to 32. No big deal. That's chump change in 2023. Lots of possibilities. I'm just saying, when I saw that that dropped all the way down to 21, and in the next two years we got a cap hit of 36 and 39, dude, that's kind of brutal. That's a little bit brutal. But I don't know. Again, maybe this is just the way it's going. I mean, actually... 2021, 36 million is Matt Ryan in 2021 is 30. Because, but here's the thing: Matt Ryan's going to be gone. That'll be something to keep an eye on. Matt Ryan in 2021 is going to hit 39 million. Is what his cap's going to be. Oh, he's not going to be gone. They can't get rid of him. But next year they can. Now that'll be that'll be something to keep an eye on. If he's gone in 2020, 2022, I I don't know, man. Maybe maybe this is the norm. Yeah, and then in 2022, Aaron Rodgers 39 million, Matt Ryan 39 million, Russell's 37. We'll see. I I don't know. That just caught me off guard a little bit. But if we draft a quarterback, that's just, you know, you know what's up. I'm not talking fourth round. I'm talking about if we trade up for Jordan Love or something crazy, that answers our questions. Just throwing it out there. Anyways, I burned up enough time talking about that. We'll save this other thing for later. I want to do a little bit more investigating anyway, rather than doing it on the fly. We'll call this good. You folks have yourselves a glorious Friday. Talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one. Bye-bye.